0: Well, tomorrow is the 4th of July, and it's a wonderful day to be able to think about the country in which we live. And it's a chance to reflect on all the ways in which God has blessed us here in this country. And I, for one, as I know you are, are grateful. Grateful for what God has given us here. Grateful especially for the religious freedom that we have, that we can gather together in Jesus' name in an open setting and not fear persecution. And that's a blessing from God. And he's given that to us and we're grateful for that. I'm also grateful for how God has used this country to advance his kingdom both here and around the world. That's a wonderful thing that we can bless God for and thank him for as we think about our nation's birthday. But, I have to be honest that when I look around our country today, in addition to seeing great blessings from God, I must also admit that there are many troubling things that I see as well. I see a growing antagonism towards Christianity, a growing level of distrust and enmity towards those Who named the name of Jesus. I see when I look around our country rampant sexual immorality, selfishness, and untold greed. My heart is saddened when I see the number of families that are being ripped apart, when I see how the poor are being simply ignored, when I see violence and how it's just in the fabric of who we are and in everything that we do and I'm increasingly troubled by those things it seems to me that more and more what's right is being increasingly labeled as wrong and what is wrong is being increasingly labeled as right and perhaps most heartbreaking of all as the more I look around our city and our country through the media and other things I see more and more people who are lost And they're just simply lost. And there's no hope and they're pursuing vain things. And you think there's no hope in those things. And it's increasingly saddening and troubling. And as we come towards our nation's birthday, the question that's most on my mind is, where is God in America today? I'm grateful for his blessings and I'm grateful for how he's blessed us in the past, but as I look towards the future, it's increasingly troubling and I think, where is God in America today? Is he in Washington DC? When I look at the rampant corruption on both sides of the aisle in our nation's capital? Is he in Hollywood? When I see the immoral agenda that's being forced down our throats? Is he in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where we're not immune to either of those things and more? Where is God today? Well, theologically, the answer to the question is, is he's all of those places. I mean, he has to be. He's God. He's everywhere. But if that's true, why aren't people believing and behaving more as they should? If God is present in all of these places, and we know that he is, why aren't people believing and behaving as they should? I think the answer is because they can't see him. That even though he's present, people don't know that he's there. They're unable to see God. See, the problem is not that God is absent. God is everywhere. The problem is, is that too few people are seeing God where he is. We say, ah, but that's their fault. If they would just try harder, if they would stop sinning, if they would look for God, then they would see it. It's their fault they don't see him. But is that right? Is that how it works? Is that how God is seen by people? If you have your Bible, turn to the book of John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And we want to think together about this question. How do you see God? John chapter 14, it's page 764. And the Bibles the church provides. Would love if you would follow along with us so that you may read for yourself the things that we are talking about. John chapter 14, Jesus is speaking to his disciples on the night before he leaves them, and what he has to say to them is especially appropriate and relevant not just for them, but for us as well. And look with me at verse number eight. And we find that our subject, seeing God, is on the lips of Philip as he asks a question of Jesus. Verse 8, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. Show us God the Father, and that will be enough for us. Philip, too, wants to see God. Now, why does he ask this question? Why does he make this request of Jesus? After all, if I went out in America today and interviewed 100 people and asked them, can you see God, well, the answer would be no. You can't see God. And Philip, as a devout Jewish person, would know that more than most people. After all, he would be well-versed in one of the most famous stories of the Old Testament where Moses, the servant of God, the one who interacted with God so closely, actually requested, God, can I see you? And Moses would know, I'm sorry, Philip would know not only that story of Moses, but also how it ended. In Exodus verse uh, chapter 33, when God says to Moses, you cannot see my face, for no one, can see my face and live. And this idea is not just in this story that would have been in Philip's mind. It's a theme throughout the scriptures. For example, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17, God is addressed now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible. God is invisible. It's affirmed in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 16. God is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. Now Philip would know these things. So why would he be asking? To see God. Why would Philip be asking, show us the Father? Well, it's because of what Jesus just got done saying. Two verses earlier. Verse number six. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except... Through me. Verse 7. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now, Jesus just got done saying, yes, God dwells in unapproachable light and he's invisible but you can now come to the Father through me. And more than that, he says to his disciples, you, past tense, have seen him. What, wait a minute, we've seen God? Philip's like, whoa, was I here for that? Was I there on that day? What what day did that take place? You mean we saw God the Father, the invisible God, the one who said to Moses, you cannot see me? We saw him? When was I there? That's why he says in verse 8, okay, maybe I missed it the first time. Can we see him again? Show him to us again. That will be enough for us. The reason that Philip is now making this request is because Jesus has just said, you have seen the invisible God. How did that happen? Jesus answers that in verses nine through 11. And he tells us how it is that the invisible God became visible for the disciples. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. What Jesus is saying is is that he has such a unique relationship with God the Father, and he's in constant communication with God the Father because of the oneness of their relationship that when Jesus says things or does things, that it is the Father working in and through him to say and do those things. So that when the disciples saw those things happening, they were seeing the fingerprints of God. How does this work? Let me show you. Turn back, if you will, to John chapter 11. John chapter 11, and let me give you an example of how Jesus showed God the Father to his disciples, how Jesus made visible the invisible God. In John chapter 11, we're going to look at verse 40. Lazarus, Jesus' good friend, has died. And God the Father sends Jesus to the town of Bethany to raise Lazarus from the dead. Jesus shows up. He has a conversation with Martha and with Mary, Lazarus' two sisters. And then he goes to the tomb. And right before he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead, he utters these words in verse 40. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Now he's talking about God the Father here. You would see the glory of God the Father. In other words, you're going to see the evidence of the reality of God. You'll get to see God. Verse 41. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Now, what has Jesus done? He's not just raised Lazarus from the dead. He's come to this point, and before he does, he prays to God the Father so that God the Father might raise Lazarus through Jesus. Why does he do this? so that people might see God in him. That what Jesus does is he prays and asks the Father publicly to do something incredibly powerful and incredibly gracious so that when it happens, people see God. And when Lazarus comes out of the tomb, people see the Father and the invisible God who dwells in unapproachable light, who no one can see, is seen through Jesus. Now, the question is, great. What does that have to do with us today? I mean, Jesus did something 2,000 years ago to raise a man from the dead. How is that going to help America today? If America's greatest need is to see God, How is Jesus raising a man from the dead 2,000 years ago going to help with that? I mean, it's not like we're going to be raising people from the dead. Is it? Well, let's keep going in John 14. Back to John chapter 14. We left off in verse 11. Let's pick up in verse 12. Remember, Jesus is still answering Philip's question about seeing the Father. We've not changed subjects. Same paragraph, same subject. He leaves off in verse 11 and picks up in verse 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So what does this have to do with us today? The formula that Jesus says in verses 9 through 11 as to how he made the invisible God visible, that same formula is true for us today. You see, verses 9 through 11 are about Jesus making God the Father visible. Verses 12 through 14 are about us making God the Father visible. And the formula is the same. Did you see what it was? Jesus prayed to the Father. The Father answered Jesus' prayer, doing something incredibly powerful and incredibly gracious. And in the midst of that, the people saw God's glory. They saw the evidence that God exists. And the formula is the same for us. Jesus says, I'm going to the Father so that you can ask anything in my name and I will ask the Father to do it, and when he does something incredibly powerful and gracious through your prayer, then you will see the glory of God through the Son. Same deal, same formula, same idea. Yes, Jesus has a unique relationship with God the Father, but that's not the point here. The point is, is how is God made visible? same way pray ask God to do something incredibly powerful incredibly gracious and when God answers then people know that he exists so when we look around our country today and we say why aren't people seeing God the answer is it's because we're not praying See, the biggest problem facing our country today is not a political problem. The biggest problem facing our country today is not even an immorality problem. The biggest problem is is that people cannot see God. And how do they see him? Jesus says they see him when you pray. Amen. That's what we need in our country today is for people to pray. Because when we pray, God moves. And when God moves, people see God. Did you get that? When we pray, God moves. When God moves, people see him. And once they see him, then they believe. And then they behave. What we need most is to pray. So tomorrow, when your sister calls you up, and tells you that she's going to be getting a divorce what you do you fall to your knees and you pray And you plead with Jesus that when she comes over to talk to you, that the words you say to her would not be your words, but his words speaking through you. So that when she comes, the very words that you say to her are from God himself. So that she might see God in the midst of this difficult situation. And you pray, and you pray. And when he shows up, she sees him. When your neighbor comes to you tomorrow and tells you that he's lost his job, what do you do? You say out loud to him. Remember what Jesus did in John 11. He said out loud, look, I know the Father hears me in private. I'm saying this out loud so that when it happens, you'll know where it came from when your neighbor comes over and says i've lost my job you say out loud to them i'm going to pray for you and then you pray and you pray like crazy and you ask jesus you ask the father in jesus name please do something incredibly powerful and incredibly gracious in my neighbor's life so that he might see god it's not just about getting a job it's not just about paying bills it's about seeing god And so you beg Jesus, do this. You told me in John 14 to ask you, I'm asking. When your friend in high school calls up tomorrow and says that he got injured playing in his baseball game and you go visit him in the hospital and you guys are cool classmates together and you don't want to be too open or too vulnerable or too honest, before you leave that hospital room, You say can i pray for you Mm -hmm. and you pray for your classmate and you pray and you ask jesus to do something amazingly powerful and amazingly gracious in your classmates life so that when it happens your classmate will see god when your wife comes to you and says she just can't take the angry outbursts anymore then you go to God and you pray, and you pray for the Lord to change you, to do something in and through you that can't be explained any other way, that you've tried every other thing, but you pray like crazy until God makes himself visible through you and restores that relationship. Now you say, wait a second. We're not really going to do greater things than Jesus did. How can that be possible? We're not going to actually raise people from the dead, are we? We're not going to do the things that Jesus did. But isn't that what he says? Now, you're saying, but wait a second. I don't see a lot of people being raised from the dead. Well, here's the answer to that. Jesus says you're going to do greater things than this. Now, are we going to do things that are greater than raising someone from the dead? The answer is both no and yes. No in the sense that raising someone from the dead was a way by which Jesus was being affirmed as not only being in a close relationship to God the Father, but also being himself God. That in that miracle, God was proclaiming two things that he is alive, and that Jesus is uniquely God. And that's why it is not normative for us today to raise people from the dead. However, Jesus is clear that we will do greater things than he did. And so, on the other hand, yes, we will do greater things. How can that be? remember what jesus said when the paralytic uh, came to him his friends lowered him through the roof remember and he wanted jesus to heal him and jesus sees this man whose friends have opened up the roof and lowered him down and he's sitting there in front of jesus and jesus says to him two things your sins are forgiven take up your mat and walk and then he says which is harder to do say take up your mat and walk or your sins are forgiven. And the answer is, is the harder thing is not the physical miracle. It's the spiritual transformation. That's the greater thing. That's why in John 5, after Jesus heals another paralytic, the disciples are blown away, and they're like, yeah, this guy is great. Jesus says, you think that's cool? You are going to see greater things than this. And when he identifies what those greater things are, He says, you will see those who are spiritually dead come to life. What Jesus is saying here is that you and I will do greater things than he did. Meaning that when we ask him in his name to do something to spiritually transform someone, that it will be greater than any physical miracle. That while Jesus still does physical miracles in and through us, because of his death and resurrection, he's now able to do the greater miracles, which are the spiritual transformations. And so that end we pray. Now you say, but what if Jesus doesn't answer? I mean, I don't wanna put him on the line for something. What if I go to that hospital room and I pray for my teammate and Jesus doesn't answer? What if when my sister comes over to tell me about her divorce, Jesus doesn't answer? What if my neighbor who needs a new job that I've been praying for and have signed Jesus up for, what if Jesus doesn't answer? My response to that is, is is that the sense you get from these verses? Like I know the logical deductions we're all doing. But listen to these verses again and tell me if that's the sense you think Jesus wants us to get from this. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now I get the fact that when we ask something in Jesus' name, we're not going to some giant vending machine in the sky to sort of fill us with whatever things that we want. The goal is is to make God visible to others. But is the point of this supposed to be, don't overreact, don't pray too much, don't sign me up for too much? Is that the sense we're supposed to get out of this? No, the senses is, come on, give me a chance. The world needs to see me, and they won't see me until you pray. Pray, that's the point. Pray, believe, and pray. Amen. When we pray, God moves. Yes, it does. And when God moves, people see God. That's the point. Jesus can't make that point any stronger. Please. The world is lost. There is no hope. There is no hope in politics. There is no hope in patriotism. There is no hope in morality. There is no hope in laws. There is no hope in any of this. What our country needs is to see God. The only way they see him is if we pray. And so Jesus says, come on, ask me. Ask me, please. Ask me. Give me a chance to show up. So tomorrow when you celebrate our nation's birthday, and you thank God for the blessings he has given to us, and you're reminded of the increasingly troubled state of our country and where we're headed, the answer is not better or different politicians. The answer is not even better or different citizens. The answer is pray. Let's pray together. Would you pray with me? Father, we prayed at the beginning so that when you showed up, we would know it was not me, it was not us, it was you. And so, Father, I pray that you would inspire our hearts to know that you do answer prayer. Forgive us, Lord we have not been a faithful people. We have been distracted by what the news media tells us will fix this country. We've been distracted by what our friends around us tell us will fix this country. We've been distracted by everything. And so we've stopped praying. And because we've stopped praying, you've stopped moving. I pray, Father, that you would pierce our hearts with this message, that we might pray and believe and father I ask that as prayers are offered today tomorrow the rest of this week the rest of this summer the rest of this year that you would hear from heaven and that you would move among us in a powerful way so that people might see you thank you Lord Jesus for sitting now at God the father's right hand for hearing our requests and communicating them to God for us. I ask that as we go out in this world, that through our prayers, you would be made visible to this world so that they might see that God is indeed real, that he loves them, and that he wants to save them. Jesus, we bless your name. Amen.